On today's Stuncast, we review Friday's Child, Kirk's mining rights negotiations with a warrior race known as the Capellans are complicated by the arrival of the Klingons. While the Enterprise is lured away from the planet, a coup forces Kirk, Bones, and Spock to flee into the wilderness with the pregnant wife of the former Tyr. Can our heroes survive this hostile alien environment? Will the Klingons get their hands on the planet's deuterium deposits? Is the baby Dr. McCoy's? Find out on set podcast to stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron, and Captain Corey. Hey, hey, what day of the week were you born on, Clint? Um, a Sunday. No, you were born on a Friday. I live already. (laughs) July 17th. Happy birthday coming up here soon in oh, yeah. four months. I'm going to get doxxed. That was the one piece of information <laughs> that all the doxers needed. That was the one piece you were holding yeah. back. Yeah. Well, whoever's editing this can bleep out one of those three pieces of information. Uh, yeah. So I have the, um, the, 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 the children's nursery rhyme, the poem in our chat chat. And uh, this is going to be important later on. But I think it's very fortuitous that you were born on a Friday. Look at you. According to the child's poem, I don't know what the name of the poem is. It doesn't seem to have a name. Friday's child is loving and giving. Mm. That describes me to a T. Yep, that's why you're always giving of us one gruel. I said be quiet, Emily. (laughs) Hey, speaking of Emily, Emily, what day of the week were you born on? I'm pretty sure I was born uh, on a Friday as well. Yeah, you were born. And now I feel self-conscious about saying people's birthday dates. <laughs> That's uh, okay. Well, you never you never reveal a lady's age. So well, go, people go will be able to know it. if I say December 5, <laughs> and she's not like seven years old. I was just going to say I was born on the day that Prohibition was repealed. Now, what year? I will leave up to you. <laughs> she's not seven she's 97 yeah, yeah. I, this is why i said i'm constantly experiencing time dilation as i am she she has the mental faculties of a 97 year old well according uh, to the poem she's also more than you'll ever know Clint. She's, she's also loving and giving apparently both of you are both of you are friday's child the name of the episode look at you two what about you may 7th I'm the youngin' of the group. I'm the hot young one. The bad boy. What what day were you born on? I'm a Sunday. I'm a Sabbath day child. Uh. Uh, according to the poem. But the child... Bonnie and bright and good and gay. <laughs> Bonnie and bright and I'm good and I'm gay. So I'm all of these things. That's a lot of adjectives. Yeah. Two more than you, you guys. you think you can handle all of that? Uh, I'm knocking out most of these. We'll say which ones. Uh... Can we um can we go through the poem together though because there's there's one that's pretty problematic I think. Sure well, not thing, really problematic, Bonnie. but it's a little sad. Do you guys see the poem up in Discord? Yes. Yeah. All right, someone read Monday. 
Monday's child is fair of face. Tuesday's child is full of grace. Wednesday's child is full of woe. Wait, it doesn't get better. Thursday's child has far to go. Friday's child is loving and giving. Saturday's child worked hard for okay. his living. I guess I don't get to read any of these. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how nope. like taking turns works, Emily? <laughs> You're not that loving and giving, it seems. <laughs> I thought you just wanted me and Clint to read them. <laughs> I wanted to be a part of it as well. Anyway. Read then, Sunday. Uh, Bonnie and Bright and Good and Gay. So we we have Wednesday is full of woe and Thursday has far to go. And I know that the generation before us was like, it was harder times and people had like less expectations out of life. But you're really just, you know, giving people the old uh, flat tire right before they get started. Hey, that's what happens. Wednesday's a hump day, man. It's the farthest from the weekend. Yeah, but then why does Saturday's child have to work hard for a living? Shouldn't Saturday be fun giving? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Saturday's child is hungover and fun living. Um. So yeah, uh, if you haven't gathered yet, the episode we are reviewing today is Friday's Child. Spoiler alerts for that if you haven't seen this episode. You're about to get spoiled. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's launch into it. It's first aired... December 1st, uh, 1967. It's written by our good friend, uh, DC Fontana. And That's what I wrote in my notes. The in- inimitable Joseph Pevney directed this episode. Good read, Clint. You got them all. <laughs> it's, I'm just lucky that we're starting to see some patterns here. <sighs> all right, you guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. The episode starts with McCoy describing a dangerous alien race uh, in, like, the conference room with everybody. Apparently, he was living on the planet with these guys for a little while. They are a martial people who believe that only the strong will survive. And to demonstrate this, he shows them a video clip of them cutting down a tree with one of their shurikens. And they also have nice, long, luscious ponytails. They have a cool costume. I like how... uh... McCoy says they're like just as effective at like 30 feet or something. These like weird shuriken things that they have. They're just like wood. I don't oh, know. They're what like to say. boomerangs. Yeah, they're like wood frisbees, deadly wood frisbees. Yes, it's like boomerangs. Little crawl blades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're wearing like a Muppet fur shawl and then they've got like a hoodie with a ponytail, like a very long blonde horse-like ponytail coming out of it it's cool like they're, they're, they look different i mean they just look just like humans there's no makeup on them or anything but you can tell that these are a barbaric people for some reason kirk and co beam down to this planet and then they meet a like an emissary group of these barbarians and then with them is a amish peasant i mean a klingon <laughs> so that yeah the <laughs> He does look Amish. He's he got an Amish beard. <laughs> Is he wearing a hat or did we just like retroactively put that on his head? He might as well be wearing a hat. What? No, he's like bald. He, uh, oh, he's got a flat little Amish hat. Yeah. Remember? He, yeah, he doesn't have any ridges. You guys are trying to gaslight me. He just looks like a dude you'd meet at a bar in like central Nevada, you know? 
<laughs> Which makes sense to all of us and nobody who listens. <laughs> his name was his name is Crass. But he is not named in the episode. He's only known as Klingon. Oh, okay. Because this episode had a very big problem with developing its antagonists and even the, the tiniest it? amount. Okay, so they run into this group of barbarians with the Klingon, and then one of Kirk's red shirts yells, Klingon! And he pulls out his weapon. And just is like, immediate murder time. Which, for some reason, Kirk is not into. I was like, I think maybe because he stole his move or something. <laughs> yeah, he like you'd think he'd see his red shirt like, get shirtened right. in the chest, rip his shirt a little bit, pull out. <laughs> oh, I like to rip my star. shirt. And that guy killed get... himself. That guy got himself killed. Yeah, he was he was a knucklehead. Like, yeah, he pulled a weapon out, so he deserved to get shuriken. I think he's a racist. I mean, look, Klingons are no walk in the park, but just to like pull a gun on a Klingon just when he, you know, walk, like that's not cool, guy. It's not cool. Yeah. I mean, no, but we've not seen anything in this uh like universe that has told us that they'll have any other reaction. Cuz well they're not like at war or anything, are they? Well, that's what they say. That's what the Klingon says to him. He's like rude. You know, Emily does have a point. If I shot more um Klingons just like point blank first thing i see them would have saved me a lot of trouble i would i would have had avoided a lot of bad situations are you talking about shooting me and then getting you know not getting to live through all the fun uh shenanigans and capers we get up to you know i will not confirm nor deny that uh hypothesis (laughs) <laughs> what what if it's more like they're not at war, but it's like the same reaction if you were hiking and you came across a bear. You'd be like, bear! And then you pull out your bear spray or your pistol or whatever. Like, you're just doing that as a reaction. So maybe he just sees him more as like an animal that needs to be Still quickly eviscerated. Jeez, Corey. Still super Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So we get our first commercial break. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then... When we come back, we find out that everyone's here on this planet because there's a rare mineral that the Federation needs for its life support systems that's on this barbarian planet. They um, need mining rights. Yeah. It's Is like... It- isn't it dilithium? I thought it was dilithium. Dude, I don't know. It doesn't they matter. Say, the only thing they say is that um, the, the main king guy is like, you need our fancy rocks or whatever or high value rocks <laughs> it is very like reminiscent of like europeans dealing with native americans where like you know they're like what you want to buy this land? you can't buy land you know so like yeah we'll sell it to you they're like oh you just want our useless rocks they're everywhere yeah we'll see what we can get off of you for our dumb rocks you idiot spaceman in like the 70s and 80s um Russia and America were kind of fighting like each other, but not fighting each other in Afghanistan. Oh, in uh, some sort of like war that's not very hot. Yes, but I mean, they specifically had like a a conflict where this came to a head in the Middle East, and that feels very much like what this is riffing on because the whatever they're called. Uh, is very um like Middle Eastern coded. Like they're they are in these like yurt situations, and they have these like Turkish rugs all over, and um 
they've got like a an I Dream of Genie costume on a lady and uh all the names are very like Akar and Ayalin and all these very Turkish or Israeli sounding things. There's like a samovar looking stuff in the middle. Um so I that's kind of where I thought this was coming from. And then obviously our Klingons are big bad Russians. Are Klingons Russians or Mongolians? I don't think it's it's good to associate them with any culture. Yeah. Well, we are our own culture. I mean, our operas are longer and uh, more, more complex than you can possibly imagine. All right. When I said you guys could interrupt me more at the start of this episode. <laughs> this is not what you meant. Ultimately. I, I told you you'd eat those words. Ultimately, it's more like the Mama Meatloaf episode. And then the episode with the old man council where the Klingons already were. We already had this episode. Like. This is like the fifth episode in a row where they've had to do like something with a mining contract. The name of the show should just be Mining Contracts. The ever-expanding Federation is hungry for resources and we need them. But you keep, but it's the same plot as episodes we've already seen. So it was just kind of frustrating. I don't care how many proxy wars we have to fight. It also does sound very similar to... um, the episode that y'all recorded without me um where it's just like oh no we're stuck here we've got to figure some stuff out like it is just plot recycling plot recycling yeah 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 it was a this was a pretty weak episode overall but um so kirk hands over his weapons but because okay so he's pissed but like the ensign was drawing his weapon so like that's kind of on him um, but he's he's also mad because these Klingons are here to circumvent the mining contract negotiations. This is like episode one Star Wars. It's like I have, Jesus, I don't care about any of this stuff. Um, we need a trade blockade of the Klingon oh Federation. God. Oh my god! It is also interesting though. Like in the first season, we kept complaining that all they were doing was like they were the proctologists of the galaxy. And now they have these very explicit, like, capitalist missions of, like, we have to negotiate this contract to get these minerals. Like, they're intergalactic Wall Street brokers. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the the exposition in this episode is, like, really heavily front-loaded. Like, it's a very, very busy first 15 minutes with a lot of stuff going on. And then it's going to slow down to an ass-grinding halt. I do like the the McCoy like PowerPoint presentation where he is. I mean, maybe it's a little lazy, but he's like, oh, they're a proud warrior race. And I was there for a couple months. I do like later, too. There's a couple parts where Kirk is like about to stick his foot in his mouth and Bones like stops in and is like, wait, let me handle this. And he does kind of exert his expertise well, you guys hit on it. This is, I would argue, very much a McCoy episode. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the yeah. first McCoy episodes that we've seen. He has a pretty prominent role that he plays in it. That I don't think if he wasn't actually there, it wouldn't have changed anything. But um, so anyway, Kirk and Kogo hang out in a tent. They're like under arrest for some reason, I guess. I don't know. So we go back up to the Enterprise and Captain Scotty is, is in charge again. Because he's third in command when Spock and Kirk aren't there. And he spots a Klingon ship in orbit, or he thinks he does. So that's going to be the little B-plot we get to tease out. 
what was it last episode, Clint, where it was the same thing where we just kept shooting back up to the Enterprise, like the B team, as they were like trying to solve a minor mystery. And then we would go back to Kirk. That was the one y'all recorded without me. Metamorphosis. The, yeah, the yeah, love one. Okay. Okay. So while they're in the tent, we go back to the planet. While Kirk and Spock are in the tent, a beautiful woman arrives bearing fruit. And Kirk is about to grab a piece of fruit. But then our it's resident, a trap. Yeah, our resident yeah. anthropologist McCoy is like, <laughs> if you take that fruit, you're basically saying that you want to challenge her husband to like, sleep with her her, her, her like male relatives yeah, yeah. so what a fascinating different culture these people have <laughs> it is and then like they're like hey we gotta have a meeting you gotta bar like you have to you know tussle verbally with the klingon and give us the best offer and the klingon's like hey we're like you we get your culture and we believe that only the strong survive and we're the strongest we'll fucking kill people and kirk's like yeah that's a problem and they're like, no, no, that's why we like it. And then Kurt goes on this big old, like, we're going to give you our laws and they're great. And like coming in real hot with the like, our cultural rules, you suck. Yeah. He's like, we have, we actually we have, have laws. Freedom. We'll honor our contracts. These guys will just like try and conquer you at some point is basically what he's getting at. Right. And the guys are like, no, we're cool with that. Like we, that's what we're into. Kirk's like, what? No, you need to have freedom and you need to live like us. You're gonna well, like it a lot. The the leader or the high tier, I think his name's uh Akar. Aka. Aka. He was kinda like leaning towards the the Federation side. Um more than like there's another guy who was like another lower the leader. Upstart. Yeah. He's like all about that. that yeah, there's two that. factions at this within the tribe. There's like pro Federation and then pro Klingon. And then they fight. And then there's suddenly a civil war. Like the next scene is like <laughs> everyone is fighting in the streets about which side. It was, it was super charring. <laughs> I didn't expect it. Yeah, um, I didn't either. And it's like pretty intense, like hand to hand combat with knives. Yeah, people are skewing each other with swords. And they're throwing their wood, big wooden shuriken frisbees. Deadly. But then deadly. the pro Klingon faction wins. And then it's kind of confusing because like Kirk is this, Kirk wasn't under arrest before this. I misspoke. Now he's under arrest because the pro Klingon faction won and the, the leader is dead. Um, and that lady who was his wife is now under arrest as well. So she gets thrown in the tent with Kirk, and Spock and McCoy, which we haven't talked about this lady at all before this second, but there's well, a pregnant lady who's no, that was the lady that brought the fruit. Oh, no, that was a different lady. Oh, was it? Yeah. No. Oh. Okay. She um this lady is blonde. She's super prego and she's married to the Aha who's much older than her. And he says a super creepy line which is a young wife to bring me a son. He's like, ew. Bring this old man an heir, something like that. Yep, that's what it was. But like when Kirk gets arrested, the new upstart Klingon faction barbarian leader is like, hey, I like Kirk. Maybe I'll deal with you instead. And then he just never like revisits that. But it's kind of confusing because but then he puts Kirk and all these people under arrest. Well, he's like, maybe I'll let you, you know, trade with us. Being a tier has has changed my perspective. Yeah, Kirk tried to be like, maybe I'll fight you. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. I don't know. I it's, feel like he was kind of 
fucking with Kirk. No, he appreciates Kirk's uh, macho machismo. He's really responding to to that. So that's why he's like, hey, maybe I like mm. you. You're real alpha. And from one alpha to another, oh, you can cool. tell uh, Crab. From one alpha to another. Yeah, you can tell Cars is a beta male. He's a little bitch. He's a little whiny baby. Yeah, the the Klingon in this episode is like really kind of weak willed. He's like, you're still going to trade with us, right? Like we, you won the Civil War, so you're going to not deal with them. Um, And he he's, doesn't really have much of a spy in this episode. Which is that's not... why we did not give him his ceremonial face wrinkles. <laughs> no, this was just done in the '60s, and so it was such low definition. You just couldn't see their their forehead wrinkles in the '90s. Clint, they had enough Clint, high definition. <laughs> don't don't Klingon explain my own culture yeah. to me. You don't. You don't know that when they turn 18, they get those ironed on when they become a warrior. <laughs> this is going to just staple it. Okay, so we go back up to the Enterprise. Scotty gets a, um, a what's it called? A distress signal. Distress signal from a Federation ship. So he's like, oh, dang, I got to leave orbit. And he's going to leave Kirk behind. By the way, Kirk does not have a way to communicate with the ship or weapons. I feel like I don't even really need to say that. Yeah, just like in the Metamorphosis. It, well, in every in episode, all the yeah, other ones. yeah. If he's if he's on an away mission, he does not have a communicator. No, they had their communicators on them. They took the guys took them. No, but they'll they get them back. They get them back because they need to use it to science to MacGyver a science. Yeah, oh, yeah, but like at this point in time, they don't have them yet. And regardless, Scotty has to leave orbit, so we can't communicate with him anyway. We find out later that this was a Klingon trick just to try get the Enterprise away from orbit. But for what purpose? Who knows? I have no idea. It never is revealed. <laughs> There's this great moment where like we it's like after the commercial break and Scotty's like giving his his like uh captain's report. But like halfway in the middle of it, he stops and he like signs something that a yeah, woman gives him. <laughs> and then she like walks off and he continues to give it. I'm just like, why did the director like make this happen? Like it just seemed like it was a waste of time. This is this is like your uh your theory all along that it was like um that they're recording it in real time. So you're like sitting there working and then all of a sudden you hear your boss next to you be like everyone's being very shitty today it's hurting my feelings and you're like i said i was sorry that i forgot your birthday there there is something i like about that where that that's just what life is like like she hands him something to sign it and he's like this fucking pen's out of ink go get me another one and then we just like wait while she goes and grabs another one and brings it back and then he's like and these need to be black reds used for copies red's not legal yeah Okay, so back down in the tent, um, we find out this lady. What's her name? I didn't catch her name. It's uh, I think Eileen. Eileen, that's Eileen. It. Ooh, they very say a- it alien. like Eileen, yeah. so they give it an extra <laughs> syllable. Okay, we find out she hates her child because in this culture, I don't know. Can someone explain it? I don't really remember. No, I don't know. They're like it's the dad's kid or whatever. And oh yeah, also- the, the dad's dead now, so she hates the child. But she was yeah. ready to die. She was ready. Well, yeah, because it's like uh, they're like, "Oh, well, you're you were the queen, and the king is gone, so now you're gonna die." And she's like, "All right." Yeah, she's like, "Well, this is our lives, so I'll die." And then, 
uh, Kirk jumps in and puts his hands on her. Um, and she, Don't touch me. <laughs> he like pushes her out of the way and she's like, fuck you. I can't believe you touched me. You're not supposed to touch a queen. Yeah. And actually she says, I kind of like that she was like, I, I like my culture. I'm of my culture. And then um, she said, he laid hands on me. It is my right to watch him die. Which I was like, this is pretty badass. For how often she was telling people not to touch her in this episode, it just makes you realize how many times people tried to touch her, you know? <laughs> right, but like constantly. Yeah, don't please don't touch me. Don't touch me. That's just what, what women had to deal with in the 60s. Oh, just in the 60s? <laughs> just the 60s. We fixed sexism now. Sure, I think we sure. did it by uh, paying women uh, two-thirds of what men are paid. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so they beat up their guards in the tent, this barbarian culture that is supposed to be eight feet tall and just lives and dies by the shuriken. They just <laughs> punch them out and they escape into the hills. So we got McCoy, Spock, Eileen, and Kirk in the mountains. Uh, let's see here. While we're in the mountains, Bones is building a relationship with her. Trying oh, to get. We cannot scoop over that little bit of how they <laughs> build a relationship. I just wrote Bones hits a pregnant woman, and that's the only thing I have <laughs> for that scene. <laughs> yeah. If you guys Bones, want to talk about it, go for it. He, she like hurt her arm, and Bones is like, "Let me see that. Let me check out your baby." And she's like, "No, men don't touch me." And he's like, well, I'm a doctor and I'm gonna. And she's like, no, you're not. And he's like, come here. He's like rough handling her, which is, by the way, great bedside manner. <laughs> and then she slaps him and he just slaps her back. They get in a little slap fight. <laughs> well, it worked, didn't it? Yeah. He gains her trust. Yeah. It yeah. Did. It Let that weird. be a lesson to you, men. Keep trying. <laughs> you know, now that. Now that I uh, think back, uh, it would have saved me a lot of trouble if I just went around slapping every pre pregnant woman I saw. It would have saved you a lot of trouble, but yeah. then I don't know that it would. You'd have a bunch of kids. Yeah, that, they'd want to make me their the, the kid's owner. Yeah. The kid's owner? Yeah. What? <laughs> Are you really a robot? What's happening? <laughs> I shall take possession of this child. <laughs> The child is mine. Your vanity I, plate would be S-L-P-D-D-Y. Slip daddy? S-L-P-D-D-Y. Anyway, let's keep going. So. I don't get it. Is it slap daddy? <laughs> slap daddy. All right. So. Uh, they're going to try and hold off. So the barbarians know that they escaped. They are chasing them into the mountains. They're going to hold off this army in the mountains, in these rocky hills, using a sonic blast to trigger a landslide, which they do. Um, many of the barbarians are crushed to death by the rocks. Cue the Kirk kill count. They, they made it sound like it was just going to make like, you know, like some rocks fall down the hill, but they fucking exploded that mountaintop. Yeah, and they did kill a bunch of them. Well, ex except for the Klingon killed one except of them. Except for the They saved characters. one for the Klingon, yeah. Yeah. Why did the Klingon... He's, like, on their side. He's with the, the barbarians. Why did he, like, secretly knife that one? He, um, I don't know. The guy had his uh, phaser, or, like, a phaser, and so he killed him to get the... Because they wouldn't let him be armed. 
So they killed the, he, the Klingon killed the guy and then took his future weapon back so he could. Oh, okay. So yeah, the Klingon and then uh, like six others, including the head honcho guy um, survive and they continue pursuing Kirk and co. All right. So they go, Kirk and the group go into a cave and I don't, did you notice this? Kirk did this twice. So McCoy needs to deliver the baby because it's almost due, of course, for, for plot reasons. So the baby always has to be born at an inconvenient time. Well, just, I mean, it is Friday. So. That's true. He's like, hurry, we don't want a gay child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but Kirk did this motivational thing twice. Which was basically, well, if you don't think you can do it, then don't do it. But he did it two times. The first time is when Spock is like, ah, it would be difficult to set off a sonic device to oh, yeah. do like a landslide. And then Kirk's like, hey, if you can't do it, then, you know, you can't do it. And then the second time, McCoy's like, it's going to be hard to deliver a baby because, you know, I don't, I don't know, know her anatomy. Yeah. Well, if you don't know, you don't do it, McCoy. It's, not, it's like he read like a, a book on like how to be less aggressive as a captain. <laughs> <laughs> Just again, just like double dog dare them to do you what you want them to do. Great leadership, Kirk. It's a, the book is manip- manipulating your crew in dangerous situations. <laughs> yeah, that B the B plot is boring. It's just like you know, Scotty's like, oh, we can't find them, and it's like, oh, it's probably a distraction. Well, yeah. we're gonna hang out here for a little more, just in case it is just in case not, a it's not a distraction. Yeah. And then later on in the episode, they try and go back and then they get another call. And Scotty's like, I'm not falling for it. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And then that's where. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, can't fool me again. And then the dumbest part of the episode (laughs) is what fucking Chekhov says. He's like, oh, yeah, that the saying was invented in Russia. Which is fine, but then they decide to double down on it by doing like the goofy mu- music for yeah. like ten seconds, and everyone just does like a reaction shot of like, oh, oh you, oh, it, yeah, it was so, it was so cheesy and corny and kind of cringy. Come on, check off. Why don't you just show us your real hair if you're such a man? <laughs> My hair is from Russia. It is real. <laughs> the 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 wig was invented in Russia. Yeah. Back in the cave, real troubling line. Kirk sees that McCoy is now handling um, Eilina because she trusts McCoy now. And then Kirk's like, how'd you arrange to tr- touch her bones? Give her a happy pill? <laughs> Holy Ew. shit. Yeah, <laughs> no, Jim. Was... I just gave her a little Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> Lubes up the baby. All right. So she's uh, she's she's making the pregnancy hard on herself because she doesn't. she's rejecting the child. So they go through like this. McCoy and Eilina. McCoy's like, you have to say you want the baby. And then she's like, okay, you want the baby. And McCoy's like, oh, no. You say, the baby is mine. You have to say the baby is mine. She's like, okay, the The baby baby is yours. yours. (laughs) No, that's not how this works. (laughs) So that's how he becomes the owner of a brand new baby. He basically does. Yeah. Did anyone uh, notice where, so like Kirk goes in and they have some like sort of like mineral or something and he starts a fire by striking this mineral or whatever. Yeah, that's cool. And I just think that like Star Trek loves 
heat like rocks as a heat source we've seen this a lot where they heat up rocks and they they stand around it like a fire i mean they are very into rocks in general like they killed the gorn with it they exploded it here they had that exploding one with the oompa loompas like oh. rocks are a big thing in the star trek universe oh, but yeah. more, more than that emily it seems like during world war three before like humanity entered this renaissance they lost the technology to make a Bic lighter because they will go out of their way to make flame in any way possible, except by using like a survival lighter. Yep. Yeah, of course. Oh, I forgot to mention this uh, when we were talking about the rock, the, the rock slide, but in my notes, I was like, oh, too bad they're not gods. Then those rocks would have killed them all. <laughs> this, is what, this is what gods are weak to, or just falling rocks. I really... Uh... I think the real design flaw in this universe is that they don't have an all-in-one tool. Like, it's not a communicator, translator, fire starter, like, scanner, sensor, all-in-one. They've got, like, a whole... Every device is just single-use. Alton Brown would not approve. No. Thank you. No multitaskers. Yeah, they need a they need a Swiss Army knife. That's what these guys need. Yeah. Or, I mean, even a cell phone is an internet device, a uh, texting device, calling device, flashlight, camera, you know, just something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like if you are going to go on an away mission on my enterprise, everyone would have like a go bag, like a backpack. <laughs> I'm not going to be silly and say like a fanny pack, but like yeah. you need to have some sort of a container with like three days worth of supplies, flares, a compass and a Swiss army knife. And, hey. um, hey operating gloves for when you have to deliver a baby some way to purify water a medical kit you know any degree uh, oh well the medical kit is just bending over and going his dad <laughs> his dad he's dead no mccoy's the dad <laughs> or as eileen puts it mccoy 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 yeah, and, and there's like a scene when they're climbing and someone tries to like help her up and she goes, no, only Makoi. <laughs> <laughs> While the baby is being delivered, Spock and Kirk are outside making bows and arrows out of wood. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. The history's shittiest looking bow and arrows. <laughs> they must have made them in like... The, the timeline here is kind of confusing because they they trigger the rock slide. They're not far away. They're probably like, I don't know, 100 yards away from the rock slide. And then the the pursuers immediately get back up and keep walking. But then it seems like they're now like an hour and a half away like or more like safe from the pursuers. Well, yeah, they had to say that like once they triggered that lock, so they have to like walk around the hills to get to their position. Oh, Okay. So they had a couple hours to make their bow and arrow. And then um, while they're doing that, they hear the sweet sound of a baby crying. Wait, I just want to say, though, like when they're making these bows and arrows, they're like, man, these bows and arrows are just going to like change the whole game. <laughs> like Kirk is just really talking up these bows and arrows. He's like, oh, this, yeah, is gonna be as, this is going to be as good as when gunpowder was introduced on Earth or when they developed the bow and arrow on Earth. He was just oh like, this is going to turn all the tables. They're going to look at their shitty shurikens and just like throw them on the ground in some <laughs> cow poop. 
Why do we use these? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> totally changed the game. I just want to say, too, that uh, in the beginning of the episode, uh, McCoy says that the shurikens are, like, just as good as phasers. And then, like, at the end of the episode, you watch a phaser, like, totally disintegrate a guy. Just wipe someone from existence. I blows like, their mind. <laughs> yeah. And, but you're just like, yeah, that's just as good as a <laughs> freaking, you know, piece of wood that you throw at someone. I think yeah, it's called a, whole, a Kligot. This whole, this whole building um, primitive weapons was really very Gorn episode. I was just like, this is terrible. Once again, you don't know what gunpowder is, but you're like, I know how to build a perfect bow and arrow. I was like, uh. It's one of those annoying things Jean-Luc Picard would know. He was like, yes, my brother and I would make these when we were hunting rabbits when we were kids. But see, that makes sense to me because Jean-Luc Picard is like an anthropology history nerd. So he would know how to make this because he did like an undergraduate internship at some like, you know, Colonial Williamsburg of space. So he would get it. But I'm like, where is Kirk like, you know, the senator's son learning something like this? <laughs> I agree. I think the better scene would be that Kirk works really hard. He tries his best to make one and it looks like shit, but Spock doesn't say anything because he doesn't want to hurt his feelings. And then the he minute remakes it and replaces it slowly or, or just when the battle starts, it just like collapses in on itself and just like falls to a pile of rubble on the floor. And Kirk looks at it kind of sadly and then runs back into the hills. There's a there's a Futurama joke that's based on this where Fry makes a bow and arrow um, oh, yeah. out of caterpillars and he tries to use it and the caterpillars just explode all over him. <laughs> I forgot about that. Maybe that's where I stole that joke. Okay, oh, so God. the baby is born um, and then while McCoy is sleeping with Eilina like next to her, the Eilina knocks out McCoy with a rock. I don't know why she needed to do that because he was basically asleep. He was asleep. Yeah, he was asleep already. <laughs> this is where touching me. So she escapes. <laughs> I and... just, just like to think she's like, I just wanted to do that all day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she leaves the baby behind when she escapes. Well, it's McCoy's. <laughs> yeah, it's McCoy's baby. Oh, yeah. What does he say when uh, Spock and Kirk come in to see the baby for the first time? He's like, this is our baby. I mean, her baby. <laughs> Yeah, I forget. I just remember the Gucci all. goo part at the end of the episode. Oh, God. Hold oh, on. Yeah. We'll, we'll get said, to this that. This is our baby. And they're like, how did that work? And they're like, don't worry about it, you fucker. It's mine now. <laughs> you remember the contract I signed when I came on Starfleet? I said I get to keep the first baby I delivered. <laughs> on each planet. <laughs> Listen, if you won't let me impregnate them, then I get to keep them. <laughs> Ew, the babies? <laughs> The Holy natives. Shit. He either <laughs> impregnates someone on a planet or he gets to take a baby with him. They look so good in jars. <laughs> oh no. I just like to think that McCoy was building up uh, an army of his own little like children that he's abandoned. There's just like a room that's like adjacent to the bed bay and it's like a daycare with just like all the, <laughs> all the children, children. Yeah, that, that McCoy has collected. <laughs> What's this episode about again? Okay, hold on. We're almost we're actually almost done, surprisingly. 
uh, Kirk and Spock go after Eilina, and I wrote why in my notes. <laughs> I wrote give birth, give birth and runs. Typical dame. <laughs> also, Bones is gonna go with them, and Kirk's like, "No, you took an oath. We're going to war." And I was like, "What?" You have never before cared that he took an oath, and now you're like, no, no, you can't murder. They're all mine. I just killed 17 people with a rock slide. Now get in there and take care of that baby. We have to preserve this culture. Yeah. You gotta see the baby! (laughs) Okay, so the pursuing party comes along. Eilina greets them. And then uh, she tells them that the baby and then Kirk and all his friends are dead. And they're like, okay. And they uh, decide to turn around. But the Klingon is like, I don't believe her. We got to go see if they're really dead. I don't know why he wouldn't just be like, cool, I won. I don't have to like deal with any of this stuff anymore. I don't know either. So he races up to where Kirk is waiting in ambush with his bow and arrow. And he gets shot with said arrow and then now all the pursuing party people take out their shurikens kirk's firing off his bow and arrow they're firing off shurikens then for some reason the klingon takes his phaser out and he just starts shooting everybody with his phaser and then he gets a shuriken in his chest and then kirk's running at the tribes people with his bow and arrow he's gonna kill all them with a knife and then uh scotty shows up and all a bunch of red shirts and they like clear everything up and um, save the day. And then at the very end, the they're holding the baby. And McCoy is showing her like the proper way to hold a baby. And then there's the uchikachigu part, which I did not like. But maybe you guys did. McCoy goes like, uchikachigu. And then uh, Spock goes, what is this? Uchikachigu. <laughs> what is this earth language? Gucci Gucci Goo, and then yeah. the Kirk is like, oh, "It's a Earth dialect, you know. Uh, go, go look it up if you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if again, you're curious, like, yeah." What? And that's the episode. So, one of you asked earlier, "What is this episode about?" And I, I just told you what it's about. <laughs> I don't know. You're right. You cleared it all up. I don't know. Is that how it ends? Because, okay, there's the part where Eileen... Uh, no, it ends with them being back on the Enterprise, and they're like, going off to their next adventure, and they're like, oh, I'm glad we got that contract. And they're like, yeah, she's in charge of everything now. And she signed it right away. Again, why? She didn't seem to like them. And then Ma Koi is like, yeah, and she named the baby after me, and it's in the hold. Leonard James a car so it's also named after um kirk as well oh i missed that part yeah leonard james a car um and i guess he shows up in some ds9 books as an admiral yeah as (laughs) an admiral yeah (laughs) as spock there i'd be like okay well fuck you i didn't want to i know right your ugly baby to be named after me anyway (laughs) <laughs> but is is that how it ends because eileen she comes out and she's like i killed them and then they were ready to believe her too right and just like walk off yeah but, well but... and then the klingon for some reason the 
guy who's in charge is like, my life is forfeit. He like gives her the weapon and then runs over and gets zapped by the Klingon. Yeah, he just stands there and then the Klingon disintegrates him and then everyone tries to kill the Klingon. Yeah, then he gets a shuriken thrown in his chest and he and then he dies. There is a specific reason I didn't try to do all the micro details of everything that went on because I did not really understand any of it. <laughs> I gave you the broad strokes there. Yes, but that it's Klingon just, was a bitch. It's just, I mean, it's just plot recycling of things we've already seen. I tried to do a, a rewrite on this and I couldn't think of anything because it was like that you'd have to rewrite the whole episode. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you would do. Hey, hey at mean? least Kirk didn't talk nonsense to, to yeah, crass that's, until that's he exploded. Not how it ends. Yeah. yeah. It was a fun enough uh, episode to watch because there was always something going on, like slapping a pregnant woman or her yelling at somebody or you know, hand-to-hand combat. Like, it wasn't slow. Uh, I'll give it that. So it was kind of fun to watch. But yeah, I don't really know what... Like, I know that sometimes when we're describing the plot, we purposely make a mess of it. But I think all we left out, we didn't purposely make a mess of it. And then the only thing that really happened is, like, I'm sure we left out some weird scenes. Yeah, I don't know. This is, like, a just a kind of a very... I would say kind of like a typical season two episode where like the quality overall has gone up, but this was just kind of still like a, I don't know, a more forgettable show. Like it wasn't, it doesn't seem like Corey really liked it, but it was just like, was kind of meh. Well, we're coming off of last week's episode, which was really good. And it was much more contained because it's just, drama on the ship making use of all the characters mm-hmm. and this one had so many characters and it there had no like interpersonal drama between characters that we gave a shit about no no and it was like a mccoy episode like him making a relationship with this woman and like i didn't i don't care about mccoy so i didn't care about that very much <laughs> but like the antagonists too like the one guy he's like in charge of this barbarian culture and he just wants people off of his planet, I guess, which makes sense. And then the Klingons are just like stupid evil, just like do bad things just to be dumb. And they're not developed. So it was just like the antagonists weren't fleshed out. And like, like the summary of this episode is Kirk goes down to a planet. The negotiations go awry. He hides in the mountains until he becomes John Rambo and seeks his revenge. Like I mean, there isn't it, really a lot that happened. It does once again become this like apology for colonialism where it's like, Things don't go our way, so we're going to run away, blow up your planet, blow up you, and then somehow get our contract. Like, that's supposed to be a good thing instead of recognizing that, like, these people have the right to be like, we, why shouldn't we get the best deal out of you two? You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. it was yeah. very weird. The the fact that, like, his first thought was, okay, we're being chased. We got to crush all these people with rocks. Like, they're chasing you because you're on their planet and they don't want you there. Yeah, I also thought that like the the power struggle between the two tiers was kind of interesting of like one of them being like, oh, well, let's go with this guy. And the other one's like, no, let's go with that. Like that was actually kind of an interesting conflict, but they solved it like that. <laughs> I was like, okay. But it it's not like they were like, oh, we don't want you on, on our planet. They're just like, we're going to kill you because like we like to kill people. I mean, they almost like, we're going to kill you for the fun of it. Like, it's not like they gave 
Kirk a chance to be like, we don't want you on our planet. We're going to go with the Klingons. See you later. It was just more like a weird confluence of events where they were like, okay, they're going to try and kill us. We're going to take off now. But they never said they were going to kill them. They just had them under arrest. And then Kirk decided to beat the shit out of the guards and escape. No, he was like marked for death because he touched the woman. Yeah, he t- he violated like one of their sacred laws, and one of their landing party murdered one of them. So, like, yeah, they should be in jail. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they didn't understand the culture that they were going down into, and they broke a bunch of taboos, and then they killed a bunch of people. I and then they got their mining say, contract. So good. There for them. was one part where Kirk they had their communicators, and Kirk was like, uh, "Asked for them back," and the old tear just goes. The sky does not interest me. And then walked away. (laughs) And I was like, that is the wackiest thing to say. And I'm like, anytime someone's like at work, you know, like bothering me or I'm just going to be like, the sky does not interest me. And (laughs) just do whatever I want. It was awesome. It was so funny. Emily, could you uh, fill out those uh, TPS reports uh, before Friday? The sky does not interest me. Well, like, I guess uh, if, uh, if that's how you feel. Okay. I, I know. Uh, it's another one of those ones of like, how do you even respond to that? It's like when Kirk went, bup, bup, bup. Bup, bup, bup. I guess I'll leave. <laughs> that was such a great part when he did that. Bup, bup, bup. Get out of here. Bup. Nope, nope. I don't like you. Can we do our review? Sure. Like, we already talked about it, so I don't want to talk about it too much. I just want to see hear your guys' general thoughts on it. Um, I'm going to give this episode, uh, man, a just straight up side, side thumb, just, uh, just, I don't know. No, I can picture it in my head, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just a straight up, like it was, I just thought it was kind of like, as the horizon. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like the worst episode ever. It wasn't like that great. It didn't really stand out a lot. So like, I didn't hate it. It was kind of, you know, some goofy fun, but I just thought it was kind of like a meh middle of the road episode. Yeah, okay. I I agree with that. Same for me. It Like I said, it was kind of fun to watch. It wasn't slow, but yeah, otherwise nothing really stands out. Uh, okay, you know what? I'm going to agree with you guys because I, I'm, I'm making it sound like I hated this episode. I, I didn't. Like it was not a bad episode it's more like if you have a really talented child who gets like a c in a class you're not mad you're just you know disappointed because i know that they can do they can do so much more and they have a talented staff and talented actors and it's just it's it's annoying to see the same plot get repeated without anything new being brought to the table so it's not bad like there's funny lines there's like quite a few funny lines in this episode Middle thumb. I think it. I think it is that um, exactly what you said. That disappointment of the flattening of the antagonist. That's really disappointing because we have seen more complex dynamic conflicts, and yeah, we know they can do better. So come on, get it together. Only woman on this writing staff. (laughs) You're representing your entire gender, and you're blowing it. (laughs) You're blowing it. No, DC, DC Fontana has been, she's, she's been doing a great job. <laughs> jokes, um, jokes. But um, yeah, I think the only thing that really saves this episode is uh, McCoy slaps a pregnant woman 
And I just wish more doctors were brave enough to follow his example. Yeah, I mean, she gave birth. In the Star Trek universe, now they are because Kirk says some sort of joke that's like, is that in your medical handbook? <laughs> and Makoi's like, yeah, it's in mine from now on. Yeah, so, it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, he writes a book that's like, slap them around and then they'll <laughs> listen to you. Okay, uh, do you guys just want to go down to my basement really quick? Oh no. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you gonna get slapped? Yeah, guys, it's slap o'clock. Head downstairs. <laughs> I, I pull the lever. You have no choice. <laughs> no. Uh, All right. Usually when you come down to, hi, welcome. This is Collectribles. Last time I did this segment, it got cut for some reason. But we're going to do it again. <laughs> um, This is not a, usually when you're down here, you'll see like display cases filled with toys and figurines and uh, a bunch of great stuff. And like, you know, there's like a colorful train electric train whizzing by and there's all that fun stuff not today today you just see a lone stool with a spotlight and one figure sitting on the spotlight and if you guys go to chat chat it's the doll that you guys see there it definitely is like a knockoff barbie doll this is this is the only toy i could find for this episode (laughs) haven't been a lot of good toy episodes lately however this is not really so much a toy as it is someone uh took a ken doll and just put different barbie outfits on it and then made a wooden shuriken and then now it's the leader of the oh it's a fan one i almost like that more than and it's for sale on etsy yeah what you can get this i want it now this is the one i want i don't want any other toys ever it looks like one of the i don't think we ever actually said what these people's names are they're like what are they? They're the like Kappa or something. They Kappa, are Kappa Gammas. Yeah. Uh the Cap Caplians is what, what they are. So yeah, it's like a Ken doll. He's got this like It is a Ken doll. Yeah, it's a it's a Ken doll. He's got a purple shirt. I I think this person scra- scalped a Barbie for the blonde the blonde hair. Absolutely. They, it's the little blonde hair ponytail. He's got some um <laughs> scalped a Barbie. It's one of the worst <laughs> sentences I've heard. <laughs> What? There have been so many terrible sentences uh, in this recording alone, and scalped a Barbie is the worst one. I think my favorite phrase so far has been mind kegels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I I blocked that out. You know what's... I'll Let me just pull back the curtain on that one a little bit, if I can. <laughs> I am not 100% sure I know what a kegel is. Because I said it, and then you're like, you know, they're not married, right? And I was like, uh, yeah, of course not. But I was like, what does that have to do with it? So I still, I'm not 100 percent sure I know what they wait, are. Wait, 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 wait. I don't think what I do need you to think they. Yeah, are. I don't. No, you gotta say. What do you think it you is? You gotta for? say it yeah. now. I think it's when you're trying to work the muscles in your in your groin and make them stronger. You'll do like these like pulses. Yes. I it's... mean, close, but uh, of the three of us, one of us can do kegels and the other two cannot. Got it. Can we, uh, hey guys, look, a ladder <laughs> suddenly appeared. Let's get out of here. <laughs> we can escape. <laughs> We're escaping Corey's kegel dungeon. <laughs> All right, well. Corey, I want I want the link to this this Ken doll. <laughs> okay, I'll send it to you. 
All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. So um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We love you. Do your kegels. Do your And until we see you. be a Wednesday child. Yeah, don't be a Wednesday child. And uh, until we see you next time, keep on trekking.